Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. This week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast is brought to you by the patrons of the Rural Woman Podcast. This amazing group of individuals contribute financially to the Rural Woman Podcast to ensure the stories of women in agriculture hit your earbuds each and every week. Want to join them in supporting the stories of women in agriculture while getting access to extended episodes, patron-only episodes, and other great perks? Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more about how you can become a patron through Patreon. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today, you'll meet Becca Matthews. Becca, along with her husband, own and operate Hidden Hollow Sheep Dairy in Southern Idaho. After two years of milking sheep for soap, lotion, cheese, and butter for her family, Becca decided she wanted to expand. They are now remodeling their dairy so they can process their milk on site and make cheese to sell to the public. Before we get to Becca and her interview, I just want to say hello and welcome to the newest patrons of the Rural Woman podcast, Christy D., Kathleen K., and a big thank you to Sarah B. for bumping up your tier to tier 10. Sarah can now listen to all of the extras, including the extended interviews, plus the patron-only interviews available to the patrons at the tier 10 or higher. If you follow me on social media, which I hope that you do, I'm at Wild Rose Farmer on all social media platforms, then you may know that last week was absolutely wild. And that is the only word that I can come up with. It started with an interview with farms.com, which led to a local CTV news reporter reaching out and asking if he could do a segment with me, which I was happy to do, and it ended up being shared Canada-wide. And finally, the icing on the cake was an interview on live national television where I was interviewed by Andrew Bell on BNN Bloomberg. I can check off live national television interview on my bucket list. Not that I ever thought that that would be on my bucket list, but it was. <laughs> I have honestly experienced a roller coaster of emotions with everything that has happened over the last really month or so, hitting my 100th episode surpassing the 200,000 download mark, being interviewed on multiple platforms, including live national television. I am grateful and thankful, overwhelmed, and honestly, on top of all of it, exhausted because on top of this, we're, we're seeding right now our crops for the growing season. So this list could go on, but I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for being here. If you've been a listener of the Rural Woman podcast for all 102 episodes, or you've just started listening, these stories are for you. They're here to inspire you, to motivate you, to make you feel like you're not alone. Every download, every share, and every misty moment 
thank you so much. I want to close off this intro with an ask. If you have benefited from listening to the Rural Woman podcast, that you support my work through Patreon. As I mentioned to Andrew in our interview on BNN, patronage from my listeners is how I'm financially able to continue my work. You've heard me talk about the patrons of the show and how much I absolutely appreciate them. To learn more and to become a patron through Patreon, you can head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. I will leave the link in the show notes today. And friends, if you are not in that place that you can financially support my work, there are other free ways that you can support the show. You can hit that subscribe button or follow button wherever you listen to the Rural Woman podcast. Leave a five-star rating and review and share it on social media when you're listening. Take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram stories, put it up on Facebook, send it to your friend and say, hey girl, I think you might like this episode. All of those things honestly really help the show get out there and get into the ears of other like-minded rural women and some cool men. (laughs) Again, thank you all so much for being here along with this crazy journey in egg and honestly crazy journey in my life. And without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Becca. Hi, Becca. How are you? I am doing. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for joining me on the Rural Woman podcast today. I'm excited to get to know you a bit better and for my listeners to learn all about you. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. So let's start. Where are you from? Who are you? Who is Becca Matthews? (laughs) Well, I originally grew up in Wisconsin, just outside of Milwaukee. And even though we lived out in the country, farmers, we had a dog and a cat, and that was the extent of my animal anything until I married my husband. So we, I didn't really, oh, I guess I had, I did horses and stuff, but that was just, you know, with friends. It's not like I had my own anything, but my family were not farmers. It was like, I think it was my mother's, I think it was her grandparents, They were dairy farmers on both sides, but that there has been no farming in our family since then. So I guess technically I'm a first-generation farmer, though I've never really felt like it. So when I married my husband, that was in 2002, I think. (laughs) It was, yeah, that's so bad that I don't remember. So 2002 is when we got married. I moved from Wisconsin to Idaho and literally got thrown into farming and ranching life, I mean, instantly. We were married on a Sunday. We were back in Idaho on a Thursday, and we went right into calving. At that time, we ran a bunch of cattle, and I'd never been around cows before. It was a learning experience. After a few years, we decided cattle were not something we wanted to deal with anymore, so then we moved to goats. And I know you love goats, but I <laughs> they are so, oh, they are so such naughty little buggers. They are so bad. I could bad. not keep them in. <laughs> oh, they're terrible. I could not keep them in for anything. So after a few months, we said, that's it. No more goats. And we went and moved to sheep. So I had made a comment to my husband that I just, you know, I'd like a couple sheep just to milk, make cheese, butter for our family. I don't even know where I got the idea from it because 
seems is not something normal people do. But so we decided, or I decided that I wanted to do that and got, you know, that typical husband response, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, whatever, and never thought anything else of it again. And then I got home from work one day and he says, load up onto sheep. So that was in 2014 and I haven't looked back. We started with six Icelandic ewes and a ram and like goats, they're kind of naughty too. They always want to get out. They never want to stay in, but fabulous, both for milk and wool and meat. And I just, I absolutely love them. That's so funny. We started with those seven. And then in 2015, we started building our dairy. We bought 20 more head of sheep and started lambing out in 2016, which is when we actually finished the dairy. And we actually were a grade A, grade A sheep dairy. And we just milked and sold the milk, but I did keep some to make cheese for my family and make soap and lotion. And at that time, we also had partners. But at the end of the 2018 season, they decided that milking sheep wasn't for them. So they took all their sheep and they owned the equipment and we owned the building. They took all the equipment too. So now we are starting over completely from scratch. You know, new inspection, we had to redo a whole bunch of different stuff in the barn. And fingers crossed, we will actually be milking in January of 2021 and should be processing these in March or April of 2021. And so hopefully this all goes well. (laughs) For sure. Well, and to be in business and to start something and being a grade A facility back down to kind of going back down to square one. Right. That's kind of a, a, a gut punch a little bit, I would think. It was. And actually, we could have done it a lot simpler if I hadn't decided that I actually wanted to process my own cheese to sell to the public. If we just stuck with milking sheep and sending the milk off to somebody else to make the cheese, this would have been a lot simpler process and we'd have been done you know, six or eight months, two more years. <laughs> well, it sounds like you have a very patient husband. So, <laughs> uh, Yes, I, I have one of those husbands that not only is he extremely patient, but I literally only have to say something one and he pretty much will remember me. So I am so super blessed that way. For any of the husbands listening to this, please take note. That is a great characteristic <laughs> to have. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So tell us more about your sheep specifically. Are you still raising specifically Icelandic sheep? Uh, no, I, well, I do not 100% Icelandic. I do still have a few purebreds in my flock. I do a four-way cross of the dairy sheep. I use the Icelandic, which I like because they are a sturdy sheep. They're great in the cold. They are parasite resistant. And so I add those in with my three dairy sheep, which are an East Frisian, a Lucane, and an Asif. And so those four together, they give me incredible milk and durability. And just for me, this has been like the ideal cross for where I live and what I'm looking for in my sheep and in my milk. So tell us more about the characteristics of sheep's milk, because I I don't know a whole lot about sheep's milk, and I'm betting there are a few listeners out there too that don't know anything about sheep's milk. So what is the difference between sheep's milk or cow's milk versus goat's milk? 
oh, now you had to ask me a hard one. (laughs) (laughs) So the biggest difference with sheep milk is it is a lot sweeter than either cow or goat. It has more antibodies. And sheep milk actually is, so if, if you're like lactose intolerant, sheep milk is one of those milks that you can actually have because it does not have the lactose. It's actually really recommended for people that are lactose intolerant. That's interesting. And well, if you're lactose intolerant, then you're not able to get the nutrients that you typically need, right, from the cow's milk that right. we need to grow and strong bones and all of those things. to have an alternative like a sheep's milk or a goat's milk. That's obviously something that somebody that is lactose intolerant needs. Right, exactly. So you're using your sheep's milk to make cheese. So what kind of cheese were you making? So we make primarily a cheddar cheese And I do two, well, they're not really two different types, but I do a soft cheese, which is basically your cheese curd. And then I do a, it's like a, I think it's a 60 day aged cheddar. And so those are the only two that I right now and that I will, once we get our certifications that I will be doing to sell. And then eventually I will add a bunch more onto that because I, there are so many options for cheeses out there. And I think with the sheet milk, Because with milk, you can get, so for every pound of milk, you get about a pound and a half of cheese, which, you know, is a half a pound more than you get from goat or cow. So being able to make more out of it, and to me, I just think there are so many different options to do. Yeah, for sure. So for somebody who has never tasted sheep's milk. You said it was a little bit sweeter, but in regards to cheese, Mm -hmm. is there much of a difference between, let's say, like a cow's cheddar cheese versus a sheep's cheddar cheese? Not a whole lot, no. It will be a little creamier because she thicker, so it will be a little creamier than your regular cow cheese, but taste-wise, it is really, really comparable. That's very cool. And so what other products are you making from your sheep's milk? So besides the cheese, I also make yogurt. And then we do, or I do, I make soap and hard lotion bars. And those, those I basically just started doing because I had leftover milk that, you know, we, we had had at the house and I'm the only one that drinks it. My husband and daughter won't even touch it, but I really love the taste of sheep milk. And so I had some extra leftover, so I just froze it. And then I decided to make soap with it. So that's really all I do with it. And how are you marketing your products currently or how were you marketing your products? So like I said before, we were just sending the milk and that was going to a distributor up in like Idaho Falls area. And so now when we do it ourselves, I've talked to a couple different stores that are local to us that hopefully will start once we get to that point. Other than that, my dream is to have like a little farm, home farmstead little store and be able to sell it basically directly basically from my back door. Well, and for people to come to your door and see all of the cute lambs running around and to know <laughs> that the milk came from their mothers, like I think obviously the ambiance is really cute, right? So tell me more about your herd right now. What What's the number of sheep that you have and are you looking at expanding? Yes. So right now I run about a 200 head of ewes 
And then potentially, if we do everything right, we should have two lambs. So during the big lambing season that's coming up here in about two weeks, I will potentially have the 200 head of ewes, 400 head of lambs, and then I own 20 head of rams. And eventually, and I just got my husband's blessing on this the other day, and I'm super excited. My ultimate goal is a thousand head of sheep. I got a lot of work to do, but that's my ultimate goal is to have. That's a lot of sheep. (laughs) It is. (laughs) It really is. Um, Yeah, I guess that makes me the crazy sheep lady because normal people don't want that many animals around, period, and (laughs) and that's my ultimate goal. Wear that title proud. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So for your lambs then, are they going for meat? Well, yes and no. Right now we keep all of our ewe lambs until they're at least a year old, and then we decide whether or not they are going to go into our milking line or going to end up selling them. But are any of the ram lambs born, they instantly get banded. And unless I think they're like really super special and they have the confirmation that I'm looking for in a ram, and then they will get sold. Once they're banded, they'll just get sold as a weather. And we usually will market them at about six months old to finish out on their own pasture and then you know then they can process them from there we don't usually keep anything over that six or eight month mark unless it's for us personally and everything that we do right now is word of mouth for our lambs and we actually have a waiting list that's a part of why i think i need my thousand head of sheep because i don't have lambs to go around for all these people right now Well, that is a good problem to have, I would say. (laughs) It is, yes. You can help support the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the Rural Woman podcast on Patreon. What is Patreon? It's a membership-based platform that helps fund and support creators like me to create and produce content like this that you all love. New to the Rural Woman Podcast Patreon is ad-free listening and patron-only bonus content and exclusive episodes. Learn more and join the patron gang today at patreon.com slash the Rural Woman Podcast. So what are some of the characteristics that you're looking for in your ewe lambs to keep them to milk on the farm? So my biggest characteristic that I look for is their breeding. And since I own my own ram that I've bred to work with with what I want, most everything I have is a keeper. And then so after that, I look for their confirmation. So the three things that I look for with when I look for confirmation is their feet, their teeth, and then what kind of, you know, their teats in their bag to make sure that that's all, I don't want to say growing straight because that sounds weird, but optimal is you want both your teats pointed down rather than out to the side. One, because it's a lot easier to milk them if they're pointed down, and two, the lumber a lot easier 
are able to latch on a lot easier if they're not having to hunt underneath their legs too much to find to get their milk. So once I decide that the breeding is right, their confirmation is right, that their feet are good, they have decent teeth, and that their bags and their teats are the right confirmation that I want, then they will go into our our breeding group for a potential milker. And then once I find out how much they are milking, usually you can get anywhere from about a quart to a half a gallon. For good milkers, the really, really good ones will give up to a gallon. I have a couple that are, of course, everything that they lamb out I keep. But the ones that, that are about that half-gallon mark, once I start milking them, those are absolute definite keepers, especially if they meet my other criteria. And then anything under that court has to be super, super special. Otherwise, I won't bother with them because they, you know, my main goal is the milk. And as much as I love my sheep, I name every single one of them. So I wish I could keep them all. <laughs> But unfortunately, I do have to look at the bottom line that says, okay, this this is what my goal is. And if you're only giving me two cups of milk, I can't afford to keep you here. But, you know, the person that has a little backyard that just wants milk for her family, that, you know, she'd probably be okay for her. But for me, looking on the bigger production, it's tougher for me to keep something that's not keeping up with all the other sheep. Yeah, for sure. And it's always hard, right? It is. It's really hard. I hate selling anything. And I usually just tell my husband, okay, here's what we have fun. Nice. <laughs> because I don't even want to be there. <laughs> I can remember the first time I had to sell my goats. Like it was like a traumatic for me. It was like, I would like to say that I got over it quick. But I still mourned the loss of them to this day. I still miss them. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, I'm that way. It's like, I know this This needs to be done. I cannot keep every sheep I have, especially the weathers and some of the rams. But, oh gosh, I, I just, I hate it. You know, when they're little and I'm not totally attached, it's okay. You know, yep, you're, you're going to take them. They're going to eat your backyard pasture and then you're going to do whatever you want with them. But when I put a year in that and I know their names and their personalities and it's really hard. I don't like to do it. <laughs> totally, totally. Well, and for anybody outside of agriculture that doesn't think farmers love their animals, like they just need to hear that to see that, you know, there's a lot of heart that goes in their food and where it comes from. Yeah. It is, absolutely. So can you describe to us like what a sheep milking barn looks like? Because when I think of milking an animal, I think of a cow. Picture what some of the different barn layouts and equipment that they would use is. Is it much different than sheep or how does it work? Uh, No, it's almost exactly the same, just on a much smaller scale. So we don't, you know, after dairy barns, you know, they'll run. Oh gosh, I don't even remember. It's been a long time since I've been in a, in a cow dairy. But, you know, let's say they run 30 head of cattle at a time that they're milking. Sheep, unless you buy one of the really, really big stanchions, you know, you can do, for us personally, we are doing six head at a time is what we're milking. But you can do up to 24 or you can do up to 40 of a two-sided milker. I mean, there there's endless options as to how to milk sheep. And since they are so much smaller, you can get. 48 head of sheep into a barn where, 
you know, with a cow, you may only get 12 in there because they're three times the size of a sheep. Right. But it, it's basically the same. You clean them off, you stick the milker cloth on, and, you know, then just milk them. So we milk into buckets. We don't have the big fancy machines that you think directly to the milk tanks through all these different lines. And so ours, once we put the cups on them, they are automated. So they will suction and promote the shoe down their milk. And then it goes directly into a big stainless steel bucket that then we transfer into our our bulk tank for milk. How long does it typically take for the sheep to be milked? About three minutes. So it's very quick. (laughs) Yes, it, it is very fast. That is efficient. And are they being milked once or twice a day? You can do both. We only do once a day. I work two jobs outside of the farm. And then once I get done with those, I come home and I do all the stuff on the farm. And so for me, until I can make a really stupid off of my sheep, I have to keep my two jobs. But once I get to the point that I can quit one of them, I am doing it instantly so that I can be on the farm more. Yeah, for sure. And be able to do a lot more with my sheep. Yeah, so we just milk the once a day, and we usually try to do it in the afternoon. We do what they call a 12-hour system. You keep the lambs on the ewes for 12 hours, and then you take them off for 12 hours. And at the end of that 12 hours, then you milk your ewes, and then you put the lambs back on them again. And that way, you're kind of doing a milk with the lambs. They're still able to get all the nutrients from mom. But you also get milk. So my milk production is probably not as high as some of the people that milk twice a day or take the lambs off at 30 days and don't share at all with the lambs. So it's, like I said, there's a million ways to be able to milk sheep and deal with your lambs and it can get very confusing and convoluted. Well, and you just have to find the way that works best for you, right? Like if you were on the farm full time, then yeah, you could definitely do it however you want. But having three jobs is a lot for anybody. So bravo (laughs) to you. (laughs) Thank you. Some days I wonder how crazy I am. Right. Well, you know, (laughs) yeah, you know what they say about the sheep people. So (laughs) yes, yes, this this is true. (laughs) I just say a goat person and you know, (laughs) I know, I know. Like I said, I've done the goats and I just, I just can't. (laughs) Well, and it's funny, like, I don't know a whole lot about sheep and their temperament and all of the things. And like, they seem a lot more calm than a goat does, but I don't know what it is about them. They are. They're just so charming. <laughs> yeah. No, my my sheep are, and their personalities are just so much fun. I mean, they'll come up and they'll all want attention and they're so jealous of each other. And you just, it's kind of one of those that, okay, I can only have two hands. I can only pet so many of you at one time. You guys got to take your turn. And <laughs> they were like, nope, we want nothing to do with you unless you bring us food. <laughs> yes, that sounds very familiar to me. <laughs> <laughs> So Becca, what do you think is your goal and your vision for the farm? I know you want to grow your herd, but when you think of future years, what do you want to accomplish? Oh, well, herd, I'd really like to be able to have my own, like I said, my own farm store. I mean, that's, that's, that's in my three-year plan is to be able to just sell things here on the farm. 
I would love to be able to sell my milk um, and the cheese in larger stores. But, you know, again, that's that's kind of going to be, I'm not a very good promoter of what I do. <laughs> I'm not really sure how well that would work since I don't like having to talk to people very often. <laughs> you kind of have to do that if you want to promote your products. But really, I think just those and then being able to be on the time. Those would probably be my top three of what I want to accomplish within the next, you know, three to five years. Well, I think what you're laying out is pretty thick. It's not anything that I think is too outlandish. Maybe the thousand sheep for me, that would be a lot. But other than that, like, I think the other things are pretty accomplishable. (laughs) Is accomplishable a word? No, I think you could accomplish those things. I like accomplishable sounds perfect. Yeah, you think so? I don't know. Oh my gosh, my English teacher is rolling his eyes at me. So, (laughs) it has been so fun chatting with you and learning all about sheep's milk because, like I said, I didn't know a whole lot about it before we started, and I'm happy to know more about it now. My last question for you, Becca, is what is the most rewarding part about being a farmer? Oh, gosh. I think for me, the animals. And that's such a stupid answer. (laughs) But I love my animals. I love being able to go. And, you know, just if if I'm having a bad day, I can go to the barn and my sheep are always there. You know, like I said, they are so jealous that they always want to come up and pets. And so I can go down there and just sit in the pasture and They'll all come up and, you know, I've got a few that are super, super sweet and they will just lay down with you. And so they, they can really turn a bad day into a good day. So yeah, I, I, my animals are the best part of being a farmer for me. Well, and I think that's the best answer. And I think an answer that a lot of people have, I know for me personally, it definitely is. And after the year that we had, that was 2020, it was really nice to be able to go see an animal versus a person or any of the craziness that happened, right? So yes, that's exactly they they were there when nobody else. Exactly. And the nice thing is, is like, they're good listeners to a point, like they don't really talk back to you. They might, but you know. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Most of the time, they're just willing to lay there and get their treats and their pets and they won't, they won't really, yeah, well, you had a bad day. So, oh, well, move on. Exactly. Give me love. Yes, totally. (laughs) So good. Well, Becca, for the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? I am on Instagram at Hidden Hollow Idaho. I do have a Facebook farm page at Hidden Hollow. And then I I have a YouTube channel that is also Hidden Hollow. That's great. And I will make sure to link all of those in the show notes so people can find you and follow you and connect with you. Okay, sounds good. Thanks so much for taking the time out of your day to chat with me here on the Rural Woman Podcast. I'm very excited to share your story. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. I love doing this kind of stuff. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producer, Sarah Reedner of Happiness by the Acre, and to my editor, Max Hofer. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. 
You can connect with me on social media using the handle at wildrosefarmer on all platforms. If you love the show, make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts, plus share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.